0: Um, so, anyway, so let's do a little bit of review. Our, our um, main scripture that we were using for this uh, course was out of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. I want to read it out of the pa- Passion Translation tonight. It says, For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for including us. Thank you, Father, for gifting us. Thank you, Father, for equipping us. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we're relying on you tonight to be the revelator in our lives to open up our eyes and give us understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, so I just want to do a real quick review over the last three weeks. Um, week one, we did talk about how that we all are gifted. We all have gifts if we are in the even if we're not in the body remember we talked about how that um even before we were in christ we still operated in our motivational gift we just operated from the selfish side of the motivational gifts okay i if i if i have the motivational gift of serving i served because i want to be served if I had the, pro- the motivational gift of prophecy, then I prophesy to correct you because you are wrong. If I had the mo- motivational gift of um, exhorter, you know, I want you to do it right. It doesn't matter. It's, you know, you just do it. So, you know, we tend to, um, before we're in Christ, we tend to operate on the flesh side, the selfish side. But whenever we we become born again and we're made aware of now of our gifting, we should be made aware of our gifting, there's a transition now that has to take place. We go from selfishness to selflessness. Now we're not operating according to the flesh. We operate according to the spirit. And so at times, that's where the conflict comes in. That's where... That's where we, um, you know, what Paul said in Romans chapter seven, the thing that I want to do I don't do, and the thing that I don't want to do, that's the very thing that I do. So I don't want I don't want my mouth, I don't want I don't want the words of my mouth to be hurtful, but man, sometimes they just come out that way. Well, that's because I'm relying, I'm leaning into. Remember we talked about leaning into. I'm leaning into the flesh, and I'm not leaning into the spirit. So in understanding our motivational gift, we have to learn to lean into the Spirit. We need to learn to lean into the gifts of the Spirit. We have to learn to lean into the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Because it's the fruit of the Spirit, those, that's the manifestation of who we are in Christ. That's the, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, you look at a tree, look at an apple tree, what's the manifestation that it's an apple tree. The apples on the tree. If you're looking at an apple tree, you're not going to see oranges on that tree. You're going to see so there's a manifestation of the fruit on that tree. So it is also in with the fruit of the spirit in our lives. There's a manifestation as we are in Christ, there's a manifestation if we lean into the spirit, if we lean into the things of God, if we lean into the word there's a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit as we need that fruit to manifest that will come forth. Okay, so we talked about all these different gifts. The tags on the outside represent the flesh side of those gifts. Okay, so the prophecy-motivated person, they can be prickly. They can, their tongue can be sharp with us sometimes. See, that's, that's, the out, that's the fleshy side. That's the selfish side of the manifestation of the prophecy motivational gift. But yet on the inside, what they really want you to do is they want you to follow after God with all of your heart. Stop sinning. Stop doing wrong. Follow after God. Repent. Do what's right. Do what you know is the right thing to do. That's the whole, whole motivation. Of the prophecy gift and so we're not going to go over each of those tonight but you know you can either go down through facebook live or facebook on agc church and listen to the previous ones or you can come up and just look through the different bags and see what's on the inside the inside is the spirit spiritual gift the manifestation of the spirit and so we kind of lump them all into three different ones that's each that's in each of those bags all right. So, we also talked about um, we also talked about in week two. We talked about and Chuck and Carrie did a great job of covering the spiritual gifts, flowing in the spiritual gifts. So we talked about the different spiritual gifts according to Corinthians chapter twelve. Um, there, that's that's listed. There are nine spiritual gifts. There's speaking gifts. There's power gifts, and there is um, revelation gifts. So we talked about those and that that everyone, y- you don't have to be a pastor, teacher, prophet. Anybody who is born of the Spirit can flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Anybody. When I went to Haiti um, the first time, um, I went with a group of ladies that, I mean, uh, did Nor- Noreen went with me that first trip? Yes, she did. Um so she was the only lady I knew. The rest of them I did not know. I knew that the leader, she was spirit-filled, but I didn't know about the rest of them. And we got there, and, and two of them that were in our team, they were not spirit-filled. But here we are. We're going around to different churches, and, you know, if any of you know Noreen Andrews, how many of you know? Okay, yeah. You know. You're going to know that Noreen is filled with the Holy Ghost, and she's going to pray in tongues. Okay? Okay. So and of course you know I am too and this other girl is too and so at, at night um, Margie did a, such a great job at debriefing us at the end of the evening because whenever you go into a foreign country that is that um, torn in the spirit you need a debriefing at the end of the evening um, so we so we would do a debriefing at the end of the evening this one evening um, we gathered around and and uh, I. I didn't realize that two of them weren't filled with the Holy Ghost. Because when we were out at the churches, they were flowing in the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. They were laying hands on people. Healings were taking place. I'm like, what do you mean you're not filled with the Holy Ghost? What do you mean you don't speak in tongues? What do you mean? And I'm, and the Lord said, who said you had to be filled with, With the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Who told you that? I was like, I don't know. You know. So, but but the one lady that she was not filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, you know, you know, you understand what I'm saying. Baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, she she flowed all the time better than me in a word of wisdom and discerning of spirits. I was like, blew my mind away. I was like. Well, that just threw my charismatic doctrine out the door, you know. So, so so I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, so we talked about the gifts of the spirit. And if you wanna if you wanna learn more about that, you can go again on um, Facebook, AGC, and you can look at all those. We also talked about um, those and those are under Chuck and Carrie's teachings. Um, we also talked about the fivefold ministry, get your hand, you get your apostle, the prophet. The evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Okay, those are and those are not everybody can operate in the fivefold ministry. Those are gifts that God placed in the church. He called them. He called. There's a calling for those gifts. And and if you're operating in a gift of a pastor, prophet. If any of those fivefold ministry and you have not been called, you're going to struggle. And even if you have been called, and you're operating those gifts, you better know that you know that you know that you've been called to that gift. And so those are the those are the so those those are the gifts that we've talked about. And then of course there's the fruit of the spirit, and um, so we've t- we talked about all those different ones too. So okay. Um, then we talked about the first week, we, in week three we covered, last week we covered the exhorter, the, um, we covered the giver, and we covered the, um, we covered exhorter, giver, and teacher. And then we covered prophecy and the server, okay? Tonight we're going to talk about mercy and we're going to talk about the leader, okay? So let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 6, I believe it is. Romans chapter 12, and verse 6, and again, I'm going to read this out of the, mess, or out of the Passion Translation. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace, ...gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. And if you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving, then meet to meet the needs of others then may you prosper in your generosity without fan with without any fanfare if you have the gift of leadership be passionate about your leadership and if you have the gift of showing compassion then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion so he talks about here the gift of leadership the gift of leadership <clears throat> so let's talk about the and you know and the, and the one thing that he that he mentions here he says that it, the, these are uniquely our gifts. And we, and we talked about this before, and, and I think we, we discussed this at the end of one of the classes, is, is that, and tonight whenever you take the survey, you're going to find out that there's going to be two to three of these gifts that you're going to really, is, that's going to manifest to you, okay, as you take this survey. Um, but there's, there's going to be one that's going to be a real dominant one for you. But you're also going to find out that, oh, you know what? Wait a minute. My second one is giver, or my third one is exhorter. So, you know, don't, don't be like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm flatlined. No, that's not true. You've got one that you're dominant in, but then you're going to flow at any given time. You're going to use any one of these gifts. And as much as my best friend tells me I have no mercy I have mercy. I just don't flow in it all the time. But when I need to flow in mercy, if there's no mercy people around me and somebody standing in front of me that needs mercy, I'm going to flow in mercy. Okay? So, and we also talked about the fact that Jesus flowed in all of these. Jesus had all of these in him. Why? Because, one, he he, you know, he's the son of god and he he also has he's god the father, god the son, god the holy spirit. So all of these gifts, Jesus flowed in all of these gifts. So if he is in us then we have all of these gifts manifested in us. But there's going to be one, two, maybe three that are gonna be prominent in your in your in your walk. Yes, Rick.
1: Yeah, but didn't Jesus say that what I have, you have also, but more abundantly?
0: He, absolutely. And he said, works that I do, you're gonna do greater works. But so so we have, yeah, I mean we have what he's doing in us. So meaning and what Jesus was saying about that, Rick, is is that okay. While he was on the earth, there was one Jesus. Okay, He wasn't everywhere. But once he died on the cross, rose from the dead, released the Holy Spirit into the disciples, they preached the gospel. The Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit now, Jesus now, and, and don't, don't take this the wrong way, but there's many Jesus now. But Jesus is like there's not a little bit of Jesus here a little bit of Jesus here and a little bit of Jesus there. There's the fullness of Jesus in each of us. Okay, I know it blows our minds away. How do how do how can that be? How can that be? Don't don't mess with it with your mind. Don't touch it with your head. Touch it with your spirit. Okay, you can't divide up Jesus, but at the same time. He is in, if you're a believer, if you said yes to Jesus, if you said, I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I believe that he rose from the dead. I've asked him to forgive my sins. You know, the scripture says, Romans 10, 9, and 10, that you're saved. Now, his spirit resides in our spirit. So now we we have all of these. But based on my gifting... Based on the gifting according to scripture that says he knew me before I was in my mother's womb, he gifted me. If we were all the same, if we all operated in the same gifts at the same time, what good does it need, what good do I need to be here? I mean, what good but but because I am dominant in one or two of these gifts, and then Tina's dominant in another one or two of these gifts, and Ken is dominant in another one or two of these gifts, then we have, as we, as we read there in Ephesians chapter 4, now we have the body coming together and doing what it's supposed to do. Okay? Yes. Right.
1: Once he was crucified and then resurrected, then once he ascended down to heaven, that's when he manifested into each and every one of us that accepted him.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because he
1: couldn't do it when he was on earth.
0: No. No. Christ had to die and the Spirit had to come. He he had to. Right.
1: To prepare us for that manifestation, but we couldn't get it until after
0: he was on the Right. Okay. All right. So, again, Jesus operated in all of these at any given time, if need be. I, can, I, have, I have operated in all of these, even mercy, contrary to my best friend's opinion. I have operated in mercy. And, and I do serve, contrary to other people's opinion. I, I have operated in serving. So, you know, so yes, so we, we can at any given time use these gifts as, as they are needed. You know, if I walk into, into the sanctuary and I see that it's a mess, I'm not going to stand back and go, well, huh, okay, service starts in 10 minutes. Um, I guess I'll just wait for the janitor to come and do their job. No, I'm going to start straightening up chairs, picking up trash, checking the bathrooms. I'm going to do what I need to do to make sure that the place is ready. I'm going to step into the role of a server. Okay? So even though that, that's not my dominant gift, even though that's not my, my gifting, but that gift is in me. So as, as I need to operate in that gift, I will. Okay? So let's talk about tonight the motivational gift of leadership. I love this motivational gift of leadership because this is their motto. I love it when a plan comes together. Who said that? A-Team. Hannibal. Hannibal from A-Team. Hannibal was a leader. I mean, fictional, but, you know, if you watch him... He brought his team together and assigned to them each a different role, a different part that they had to play. And and his thing at the end of everything was, I love it when a plan comes together. If you want to please a leader, a motivational gift leader, you help him, help her get the plan together. Help them bring the plan together. That's what they love to do. So let's talk about some of the um, main qualities of the gifting that are on the inside of them, okay? A leader, they see the big picture. They can see the big... They have vision. They see the big picture. They can see it from the beginning to the end, you know, and they'll bring the vision before you if if you're sitting around a table with you, They'll cast the vision with you, or if they're the pastor or the leader of the church, they'll cast the vision of the church for you. And you might be sitting there going, what? I don't get it. But he but they can see it. They can see it. They can see it happening. So they see the big picture. Um, they're goal-driven. I mean, they set goals and they conquer those goals. They get those those goals, those goals accomplished. And not only that, but they're a developer of others. They love to develop other people. And, so, and they love to develop other people in their giftings. So they will teach, train, equip, empower other believers, other, other people, and bring them around them for the sole purpose of accomplishing the vision that they see. Okay? So these are the gifts of, of the leader I just want to make sure I put them in the right heaven forbid I put it in the mercy bag alright so those are the spiritual gifts there, there. Okay. let's talk about and then we'll go back over and review some of their their positives and their negatives so because because they are and, and you can you can pick out a leader in a group uh, you know you can see who they are um, but because they're so driven towards the vision, sometimes it looks like that they can be very dic- dictatorial. Is that the word? Dictator. Is that the right? Mm-hmm. Dictorial? Is that the word I want? Dictator. Or authoritarian. Authoritarian. They can be very bossy. Okay? And it can, they can almost come across that, just do what I said. I was talking to my sister yesterday, and um, my sister is a uh, on the DISC personality profile. She's a C, meaning she's analytical. She's melancholy, and actually, she is a uh, certified. Uh, she's a CPA, so uh, and and she works in that. So she um, she has a boss, a CEO, over the company that she works for. She's the CFO of the company, and she has a boss, the CEO of the company. Who is, who has this motivational gift? And he's a D, a driver, type A personality in his personality profile. So, you know, he comes in and says, uh, we're changing all the branding. So, yeah, so we're changing all the branding. Okay, my sister's sitting there going, okay, I'm sending out invoices with the old branding. I'm sending out receipts for the old, with the old branding when is the new branding coming out? Don't know, don't know, but we're, we're changing it all. You know, so I, I was trying to talk to her about how that, how she can come along the side of him and help him and say, okay, I understand that we're changing the branding um, and let me give you a time frame because he wasn't giving any time frame. Let me give you a time frame as to when I think that we can have the branding done. I said, you're going to help him a lot because all he sees is, change of branding. That's all he sees. He doesn't see, okay, so now we need to get a template made, we need to talk to PR, we need to have everything changed, everything, all labels need to be changed, everything needs to be changed, invoices need to be changed, receipts need to be changed, everything down the line has to be changed. He's not, all he sees, branding needs to be changed. Changing it. So I said, come along the side of him and help him identify okay i can do this in this timeline i said you're going to help him out a lot it, whereas to her it sounds like that he's a dictator but that's not what he is okay so they can be they can they can come across as insensitive okay they can come across very like they they, they don't care they don't care about me they don't care about what i think they don't care about all they care is about their vision about what they want to accomplish so they can come across as, as, as insensitive. And number three, because, because they are so goal-oriented, it looks like they're putting the task above the people. Okay, so those are just three of the areas that a person who is, who is leadership-motivated that they need to work on. They need to make sure that, that they are not doing these things or how they're talking is not coming across that way so let's kind of go back over some of the some of the positives of them just to, I kind of grouped them all and put them into those into three different areas um, so again the leader they see the overall picture picture they organize what they are responsible for so they organize it all they desire um, to complete the task quickly so they're goal-oriented they have the ability to know who can do the job um, they're a great delegator. They can mobilize and motivate and train people well, okay? Um, they assume responsibility. If it doesn't go right, they assume the responsibility that it did not go right. It's their fault. It's not the usher's fault that it didn't go right. Obviously, I didn't communicate well, so they they assume the responsibility. They love to see a completed task, so they desire to move on to a new challenge when one is done. <clears throat> that's, that's one of the drawbacks that a leader does have is, is that they can get bored really quick. So it's almost better for a leader, an organizer, to have, have the task or the vision broken into segments or else they're going to get bored. The vision's way down here, and they're going to get bored about right here, and then they're going to just drop off. So it's best that they divide the vision into stages, and work at it from that point. So they work at they they have goals at this stage. And once that state, once we're done with that, okay, now we're moving on. Okay, now we're moving on, until finally they get to the completed the completed vision. Okay, they like challenges. They're not a maintainer. They like to pioneer. Um, they let others maintain so that they can move on to the next challenge. Okay. They like to help others develop themselves and their giftedness in, in ministries. Uh, they get fulfillment out of seeing others come together and enjoy a completed task. And again, these are the possible problems that they can face. Um, we talked about that they appears that they put projects ahead of the people. They can appear, appear insensitive to the personal needs of the workers involved in the project. Um, because, they are, because they delegate, it can, it looks like that they're lazy, but they're not lazy. They're just delegating the task that hand. And plus, maybe they don't know how to do that task. You know, my sister's um, CEO, he's not an accountant. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to do the books. So he's counting on her. He's delegated that to her. Does that make him lazy? Heck no. Do you want him doing the books? You don't want him doing the books. You know, so, you know, when, when, you know, for example, when pastor says, okay, we're doing a work day, and these walls need to be painted pink, and we're going to change the carpet to red, okay, you don't want pastor painting the walls pink. Well, even though he said we're going to paint, you don't, let me just say this, I don't care what color he's called for, you don't want pastor painting the walls, because he's not gifted in painting. Okay, and if he comes in here and he doesn't pick up a paintbrush it's not fair for us to stand back and go he's lazy that's not right he's just not given to painting what do you mean he's not given see now those of you that are servers you're all sitting out there what do you mean he's not given to paint anybody can paint no not everybody can paint okay and all your givers are sitting out there going why don't we just pay somebody to come in and paint it (laughs) okay And all you prophets out, the prophecy motivated people are out there going, you know, thus saith the Lord. I'm going to tell him that he needs to pick up a paintbrush and start painting, you know. So, okay, so you see how all those are starting to flow. Okay, all right. They tend to stand on the sidelines unless they are in charge, or until those that are in charge tell them what to do. Okay. Um, Neglectfulness and explaining the why. Of an individual task must be done uh, may appear dictatorial and callous. So again, coming back to that, they can appear like they're dictatorial. You know, what they really need to do is they need to explain why are, why we are doing this, because you know, and pastors talked about this before. If you don't know the why, come midway. You know, I remember when we tore this sanctuary apart. I mean, for those of you that don't know. That used to be the stage up there. And it was a deep, dark hole. And the baptistry was clear in the back. And then we did have a a, a small stage right out here in the front. But all the chairs went this way. So it was a long sanctuary. And God gave pastor the plan. You know, he was really praying and fasting and seeking God about the next stage of the church. Not about the... um, structure of the church but about the spiritual structure of the church and he was in here i remember he was sitting right over here we had three sections and he was sitting right over here praying and we were actually in the middle of a women's conference and he was praying and god so told him he says i want you to change the sanctuary around i want you to face it to the east and he goes what well, what good is that he says well i gave moses a plan i'm giving you a plan And so he had the plan. He got the plan. And he came before the church and said, this is what we're going to do. And on this Sunday after church, we're going to rip. And I'm telling you what, they had this thing demolished in one Sunday. Now, pastor was told six weeks. We'll have it put back together in six weeks. Three months later, and then some. It was put back together. Now I can't tell you that there weren't times that he was like, "I'm done. Just move me on. Somebody get me out of here," you know, because he wanted he in his head he saw the completed plan, but it was taking a lot longer. So if he didn't understand the why and he didn't communicate the why with the people midway we'd be still be sitting in a mess right here. And this is what happens in many churches because they don't understand, they don't, they're not communicated the why. Why are we doing this? Why is it that we're doing You know, when, when Kathy comes and says, you know, we're going to do this in children's churches, she doesn't explain the why, why we're doing it, then she's going to, people are going to start dropping off. Okay. Usher team, we're gonna wear coats. We're gonna wear suit and ties from now on. Why? Because I said so. Why? You know. So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have to know your why. You know. Worship team, if Chuck says we're not gonna worship this way anymore, facing the people, we're gonna turn around and worship this way. And if his worship team looks at him and goes, why? He better have the why down. He better know why. I know those are extreme examples, but. If you don't, if if you're not communicating the why as to why you're okay, how many of you have kids? How many of them ask you why? And just because it's not the answer, that's that's not going to suffice, is it? Why? Well, because why? why? So they're going to continue to ask you the question why until they understand fully what it is, why it is that we're doing that, or why it is that they can't run out in the middle of the street, or why it is that they can't touch the hot pot burner, or why it is that they can't do this, or why it is that they can't do that. So they'll, they'll continue to ask the question. And you know what? As a leader, we have to be willing to answer that question. We can't get frustrated when people come and say, explain to me again why it is that we're doing this. I can't I can't remember. I, I, I'm not sure. Why is it that we're doing this again? As a leader, we need to be we need to understand that people have to have it refreshed in their mind. You know, it's like it's like on your computer, once in a while you have to hit refresh, the refresh button. And what does it do? It brings up the page that was previously there. It reminds you of what was there before. So that's the way that it is. That's the way that it is with as a leader that I need to communicate effectively to those that I am leading, if, if my motivational gift is, is leader. Okay, so let's look at Romans, remember we talked about that in Romans 12, that there's those gifts that are listed, but then on down, there's a gift that, there's a scripture that goes with that particular gifting. So let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 14. Speak blessings and not cursings over those who reject and persecute you. So as if your motivational gift is a leader, make sure that you're speaking blessings. Don't be don't be cursing the people that are serving around you. You speak blessings. You know, at home. You know, if you have that leadership gift at home, make sure that you're speaking blessings and not cursing those that are in your home. At work. You know, maybe you're in a leadership position there. Make sure that you're speaking blessings and not cursing. Okay? So um, let's talk about people who, in the Scripture, who were leaders. Of course, Jesus. You know, let's, let's talk about various aspects that we saw Jesus um, motivate in, or motivate in leadership in. Um, one, the calling of the 12. Okay? Uh, two... The leading of the the, five, the feeding of the five thousand he organized he he told the disciples what to do, where to have everybody set, what they were supposed and then when every, okay now gather up the twelve baskets that are left over, you know so on and so forth. So the last supper, what did he, he told the disciples, this is what I want you to do, this is where I want you to go, this is what you'll find and da, 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 da. you know. And, and again, let's let's talk about the drawbacks to it. People could have, you know, his disciples could have looked back and said, well, what are you doing? Well, we're going to go get this man's donkey. What are you going to do? You know, no, they didn't do that. They did what Jesus asked them to do. Um, another one is Paul, the Apostle Paul. Paul had to operate the motivational gift of 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 leadership one because he was an apostle he was called to the nations to help organize and set up churches one he was also he was an evangelist but he also then set up churches in those various cities so he set in those churches pastors so he helped organize and called around him people to help him and if you read the book of acts you find out there was a lady by the name of lydia Who helped him? There was also um, Aquila and Priscilla who helped him. So they were called to come along and help him do what he had the vision. I'm going to the world to preach the gospel. And that was his vision. Okay? Um, King Solomon in the building of the of the of the temple for God. King Solomon is a great example. Of of a person who had the motivational gift of leadership. And again, you know, in our church, pastor, not just because he's the pastor, because there there are there are pastors that don't have the motivational gift of leadership. But your pastor, he has the motivational gift of leadership. And so, you know, he casts the vision to us. He throws the vision out to us. He says, This is what this is what I feel like God's telling us to do. And I know that we've sat in staff meetings before, and, and we've said, "Okay, uh, yeah, all right." So, um, question. And it doesn't—it doesn't hurt to question. But we'll we'll raise up our hand, or we'll speak out, and we'll say, "Okay, we have a question. We have concerns. We have," and so we we get all of those out. We talk all of those out because he's not a dictator. He's leading us, and so he's allowing us to use our giftings. To use the giftings that God has put on the inside of us to help us. You know, when when he said we're gonna do these Thursday Thursdays, this is what I see. I see Chuck and Carrie teaching. Sharon, I see you doing this. And then he went to Chuck last week and said, Chuck, I see you doing revelations. So, you know, that so we said, okay, we can do that. We see that. We see that happen. Okay, we see the vision too. And so he's helping us, and you know, and even whenever he's training these interns and he's training these other young ministers that are around the church, you know, he's pouring into them. He's teaching them leadership principles. He te- he's teaching them how to use their giftings. So that's what he does. So, okay. Um, okay, so where do they serve? Well, they, you know, they come along, you know, they come along the side of the leader, okay. If they're if they're not in charge, if they're not the pastor, you know, a leader can come along. You know, pastor has several people that are leaders with him, and so we come along the side of him and help him with the vision. So as as you know, if you feel like that your motivational gift is leadership, then you're coming along the side of or, or in other translation says organization. You know, you're coming along the side of the ministry and you're saying, I can organize this. I can, I see this. I can see it from the beginning to the end. And so that's your, that's your gifting. Um, other places to serve, new outreaches. Maybe you're like, hey, what about if we uh, did this in the community? And you see it. You've got the vision for it. You have the capability of doing that. You have that call on the inside of you to do that. Um, other, uh, other places, special events that we do, whether it's that we have a conference or that we're doing a dinner or that we're doing um, whatever it is that we're doing, you know, and you're like, I can come along the side and help organize that if you need me to do that, okay? So those are areas that you can serve in. All right, let's talk about the motivational gift of server, and then we're going to stop and uh, take a break, and then we're going to come back and take our survey, or not server, uh, mercy. So the motivational gift of mercy, um, let's talk, let's, I'll just go through the list. One, they're a peacemaker and a healer in the body of Christ. That is the biggest thing that a mercy-motivated person wants is that they want peace and they want healing. And, and it's not—it's not physical healing. It can be physical healing, but they want people's souls to be healed. I mean, they their heart breaks when they see somebody that's broken. They see somebody that's struggling. They see somebody that's that's just that's just a bro. And you can tell when somebody's broken. Their heart just breaks for that. They feel they feel it. They live it. They they. They, they just, they, they're just right there with that person. That's the mercy-motivated person. Um, they, avoid, they avoid words and actions that may hurt others. So whereas you've got the prophecy-motivated person right here, you got the, on the far end, then you've got the mercy-motivated person. They're not going to say anything that's going, they're not going to use words that's going to hurt somebody. They choose the words very carefully. They desire to remove hurt and pain when they see it. They avoid firmness unless they can clearly see that it's unavoidable in order to help someone. You know, you may want to kind of, maybe you should, you might want to think about, maybe maybe you might want to. So those are the kinds of words that, that a mercy-motivated person is going to say. Um, they're strongly attracted to those who are in distress their greater concern for mental and emotional distress than they they have greater concern for emotional and mental distress than physical distress they feel the sense of unity with other mercy givers um, they can discern true motives and they will close their spirit to those who are insincere and insensitive so the possible problems that they can have they can appear to be weak due to avoidance avoidance of firmness so if you see a mercy motivated people, person, you might think, well, oh, they're kind of flippant, or they can't make a decision, or um, they're not stable. You know, you, you, you kind of, those are kind of words that you want to use, that you think about whenever you see a mercy motivated person. And it's not true; they can be led by emotions too much if not careful. They can get pulled down themselves by the problems of others I mean you can just see it on their countenance I mean they just when they talk about the the situation they're just they're just they're just you you would think excuse me is it you that's dealing with this problem and as far as they conser- they're concerned yes it is because somebody else is struggling with this So yeah it is me um, they must be careful not to get down into too many, too much sympathy for uh, for someone of the opposite sex. This is why we always tell, and we tell our staff this, we tell the staff, we tell our leaders this, you do not counsel, talk alone with the opposite sex. Unless it's your wife, your husband, you are not in a vehicle with the opposite sex. But a mercy-motivated person, they don't even think. They don't even think about it. They don't even, you know... All their concern is about this person's hurting, and they need help. They need to be cautious not to take up another's offense without hearing both sides of the story. So let's talk about their the three gifts that I've kind of clumped them all into. They're a peacemaker, they have a heart, and they discern. They discern. So those are their those are their their spiritual gift of motivation, of, of mercy, that is on the inside of them. But on the outside, what we could see, and what, if we're looking at the flesh, we could see that they appear weak. They appear weak, and they get wrapped up into others' problems. They take on others' problems. Almost, you want to say, you know, can't you just mind your own business? You know, but, and of course, that's somebody who doesn't operate in a mercy motivated saying that, but, you know, but that's kind of, you know, because they're just so ingrained into what's going on around them and people's problems. And you just want to say, can't, why, why are you in the middle of it? You know, but, you know, so that's something that they have to work on is that not that they, not, not that they can't, because you can be mercy motivated without, all of the emotion and without all of the all of the drama that goes with it. You can still be mercy motivated. It can happen. Okay? All right. So Romans 12, 15 goes with this scripture. Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. So the thing with mercy motivated people is is that they need to see light at the end of the tunnel and be able to say whoever, to whoever it is that they're that they're talking with, listen, there is hope. There is hope here. Jesus is our hope. He's the one who's going to bring peace in this situation. And we're going to believe God with that. We're going to, I'm going to stand here and believe with you, along the side of, with you, that there's hope for you. So we're going to rejoice when we see things happening to the good. We're going to rejoice. We're going to celebrate in that. But at the same time, they need to grieve with those who are grieving. Okay. So people who are mercy motivated, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. If you read the book of Jeremiah, he, he was mercy motivated, okay? Not only was he a prophet, but he was also, which is like polar ends, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, Hosea, Hosea um, in, in the Old Testament um, was, was mercy motivated. The apostle John The disciple John, the apostle John, was mercy motivated. If you read read the book of John, and then you go and read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, what what is it full of? Love. Love. It's all about the Father's love. All about God's... For God so loved the world that he gave. And it's all true. But out out of his mercy motivation, God used that mercy motivation to show the love of the Father to the world in written form. He used the motivational gift of mercy to show the love of the Father through John. And, And we have letters to the church about love. Listen. Walk in love. Love one another. Love God. If you read the book, of the in the books of John, the epistles of John, you know, what is, you know, John, you think, oh, but sometimes John gets a little, he gets a little. Listen, if you say you love God, but you sin, you're a liar. What? Motivational gift John? What? Mercy motivated God, motivated John? He didn't say that. But because his gift was perfected by the Spirit, you can become strong as a mercy-motivated person. You can become firm if you need to. And obviously, God felt like that John needed to become firm in that statement. Because the love of the Father is not, is like um, Marilyn Hickey used to say, is not greasy grace and sloppy agape. That's not the love of the Father. The love of the Father is grace and love. That's the love of the Father. So, okay, so where to serve? Oh, who could guess in the church who is mercy-motivated in this church? Mona, Mona. Yes. And what she's doing now, yes. Who do you think, Mark? Pardon? Grandma Kathy. Grandma Kathy Kathy is the ultimate mercy-motivated person. And I have watched Grandma Kathy develop that gift on the inside of her. I have watched her manifest that gift throughout the years and how that it has developed, and now... I, I, you know, I can say, Grandma, I mean, not we all. We're all developing and maturing in our giftings until the Jesus comes back. We will always be doing that. But I can, you know, where Grandma Kathy used used to be 25 years ago when I first met her, to where she is today. I can say when Kathy, Grandma Kathy needs to be firm, Grandma Kathy can be firm. But when Grandma Kathy needs to be merciful, and let the love of Jesus shine through. That's what you're going to see, right, Lillian? So, yes, definitely, Grandma Kathy. And I'm sure that we have many others. Uh, I know on my teams I have have at least two or three because I need them around me. (laughs) I need merciful people around me. Not that I need mercy, but people that I deal with need mercy, and so I need to bring somebody around me that operates in that merciful gift. Okay. All right, so where, do, where to serve? Where does a mercy-motivated person serve? Alter ministry, outreaches, nursing home, hospital ministry, counseling, if you get trained in it. If you're a trained counselor, if you're a mercy-motivated person, that's a great place. Prison ministries, um, drug rehabs, you know, great places um, to, to use your mercy-motivated gift, okay? All right, let's take um, like five minutes. I want you to do? Because I've taken many of these, um, not just this one, but several other ones. And, uh, and how many of you have ever taken a personality profile or motivation? Okay. Have you d- done it for work? Is that what you did it for, Tina? Or what did you do it for? Um, I don't know if it was, like, I don't know if we did it at Rainbow or whatever. Okay. But just Various things that yeah. I've done with my mother-in-law and all that. Stuff okay. Stuff. Yeah. It really depends on, um, especially if you're if you're working for a company, and they have you take a personality profile, if you're taking it according to where you're working at, it will skew your, your not, not that it's wrong, but for example, I know, I know some people who are a, um, a very high uh, C on their job, uh, in other words, they're melancholy on their job, they're analytical on their job, they come home, they're very high, phlegmatic, laid back, as stable, steady, at home. But their house is all a mess and their clothes are all a mess and everything else is a mess and their kids are, you know, disorganized. Their agenda is all disorganized. But at work, they're very organized. So I guess I'm saying that to help you with this. I want you to take this with the church in mind, not your family, not your husband, not your kids. So when you read a statement, don't look at it and go, well, with my husband I would be that way. No, no, no. I want you to look at it from the perspective of the church, the body of Christ, okay? So if you have to just kind of sit here for a second and empty your head, then go ahead and do that. But then what you're going to do is do not, like, okay, let's read the first. I I think of ways to help others who are suffering physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Hmm, I think of ways to help others. Huh okay. Do I usually do that? Do I sometimes do that? Do I st- I think of way? No, do not do that. Don't do that. Read the statement, go over here and say, do I usually do that? Do I sometimes do that? Do I seldom do that? Or do I rarely do that? Read the statement, answer the question. Don't meditate on the questions or the statements. Yeah, but I i got to understand. No, 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 no. Read the statement. Answer the question. Okay? All you melancholies in here are going, no, 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 i got to understand it. Okay, so go through, and then whenever you're done, on the last page here, what you're going to do is you're going to go through, and you're going to add, um, let me see, you're going to go through, um, oh, gosh, it's been a couple weeks since I've done this. okay so what you're going to do is you're going to answer the question here okay so if you if you all the time do that you're going to cross this off right here okay so on number one just check it off yeah so
1: wait no no no
0: hang on okay so in the boxes on the next page, enter the numerical value of your responses to the questions. So on number one, if you, if you put five, if you answered five there, then that's what you're going to put there, okay? So if you marked the first box in number one, you're going to put number one over here. But don't do that until the end. Don't go through this now and do, and say, well, I'm going to save some time. No, no, no. Go through and answer the questions first, then come back through and tabulate. So on number if, on number eight, if you answered, um, if you answered, I find it very difficult to discipline others unless I'm really convinced it will help them. If you're like, I rarely, that's not true, then you're going to put a zero, you're going to mark that one, then come over here and put a zero at number eight. Okay, does that make sense? When you get to that point, if you're having issues with that, just raise your hand and I'll come back and, and help you, Okay? Right? So let's go because it's going to take you, a, not, uh, again, read the question, answer it.